Hello. I hope you've had a wonderful day today. Welcome to BBJ's Bedtime Stories. My name is Big Voice Jay. This is a show where we get you ready for a great night's sleep with public domain short stories that are familiar to you, but you haven't heard in a good long while. Thanks to tonight's stories are found in the show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. Tonight's story, How the Moon Became Beautiful, by Anonymous. The moon is very beautiful, with a round, bright face, with shines with soft and gentle light on all the world of man. But once there was a time when he was not so beautiful as he is now. Six thousand years ago, the face of the moon became changed in a single night. Before that, his face had been so dark and gloomy that no one liked to look at him, and for this reason he was always very sad. One day he complained to the flowers and to the stars, for they were the only things that would even look in his face. He said, I do not like to be the moon. I wish I were a star or a flower. If I were a star, even the smallest one, some great general would care for me. But I'm only the moon and no one likes me. If I could only be a flower and grow in a garden where the beautiful earth women come, they would place me in their hair and praise my fragrance and beauty. Or if I could even grow in the wilderness where no one could see, the birds would surely come and sing sweet songs for me. But I am only the moon, and no one honors me. The stars answered and said, We cannot help you. We were born here, and we cannot leave our places. We never had anyone to help us. We do our duty, we work all the day and twinkle in the dark night to make the skies more beautiful. But that is all we can do, they added, as they smiled coldly, the sorrowful moon. Then the flower smiled sweetly and said, We do not know how we can help you. We have always lived in one place, in a garden near the most beautiful maiden in all the world. As she is kind to everyone in trouble, we will tell her about you. We love her very much, and she loves us. Her name is Senyu. Still the moon was sad. So one evening he went to see the beautiful maiden Senyu. And when he saw her, he loved her at once. He said, Your face is very beautiful. I wish that you would come to me, and that my face would be as your face. Your motions are gentle and full of grace. Come with me. We will be as one and perfect. I know that even the worst people in all the world would have only to look at you. They would love you. Tell me, did you become so beautiful? I have always lived with those who were gentle and happy, and I believe that is the cause of beauty and goodness, answered Senio. And so the moon went every night to see the maiden. He knocked on her window, and she came. And when he saw how gentle and beautiful she was, his love grew stronger, and he wished more and more to be with her always. One day, Senio said to her mother, I should like to go to the moon and live always with him. 
will you allow me to go? His mother thought so little of the question that she made no reply. Ansenio told her friends that she was going to be the moon's bride. In a few days, she was gone. Her mother searched everywhere but could not find her. And one of Senio's friends said, She has gone with the moon, for he asked her many times. A year and a year passed by, and Senio, the gentle and beautiful earth maiden, did not return. Then the people said, She has gone forever. She is with the moon. The face of the moon is very beautiful now. It is happy and bright and gives a soft, gentle light to all the world. And there are those who say that the moon is now like Senio, who was once the most beautiful of all earth maidens. True love is fantastic, is it not? True love sees past the scowling exterior and sees the beautiful interior right inside. You could find someone who will look right inside you and find that true love at Match.com. There's thousands and thousands of people finding their one true love at Match.com. And a BVJ and a promo code and it will do absolutely nothing. For this is not a sponsored read. Our next story is Huckleberry by Frank Stockton. More than 168 years ago, there lived a curious personage called Old Riddler. His real name was unknown to the people in that part of the country where he dwelt, but this made no difference, for the name given him was probably just as good as his own. Indeed, I am quite sure that it was better, for it meant something, and very few people have names that mean anything. He was called Old Riddler for two reasons. In the first place, he was an elderly man. Secondly, he was the greatest fellow to ask riddles that you ever heard of. So this name fitted him very well. Old Riddler had some very peculiar characteristics. Among others, he was a gnome. Living underground for the greater part of his time, he had ample opportunities of working out curious and artful riddles. <coughs> Living underground for the greater part of his time, he had ample opportunities of working out curious and artful riddles, which he used to try on his fellow gnomes, and if they liked them, he would go above ground and propound his conundrums to the country people, who sometimes guessed them, but not often. The fact is that those persons who wished to be on good terms with the old gnome never guessed his riddles. They knew that they would please him better by giving them up. He took such a pleasure in telling the answers to his riddles that no truly kind-hearted person would deprive him of it by trying to solve them. You see, as old Riddler used to say when talked to on the subject, if I take all the trouble to make up these riddles, it's no more than fair that I should be allowed to give the answers. So the old gnome who was not much higher than a two-year-old child, thought he had quite a venerable head and face, was very much encouraged by the way the people treated him. And when a person happened to be very kind and appreciative and gave a good deal of attention to one of his conundrums, that person would be pretty sure, before long, to feel glad that he had met old Riddler. 
There were thousands of ways in which the gnomes could benefit the country folks, especially those who had little farms or gardens. Sometimes Old Riddler, who was a person of great influence in his tribe, would take a company of gnomes under the park, would take a company of gnomes under the garden of someone to whom he wished to do a favor, and they would put their little hands up through the earth and pull down all the weeds, root foremost, so that when the owner went out in the morning, he would find his garden as clear of weeds as the bottom of a dinner plate. Of course, anyone who has habits of this kind must eventually become a general favorite, and this was the case with old Riddler. One day he made up a splendid riddle, and after he had told it to all the gnomes, he hurried up to propound it to some human person. He was in such haste that he actually forgot his hat, although it was late in the fall and he wore his cloak. He had not gone far through the fields before he met a young goose girl named Lois. She was a poor girl and was barefooted, and as old Riddler saw her in her scanty dress, standing on the cold ground watching her geese, he thought to himself, Now I do hope the girl has wit enough to understand my riddle, for I feel that I would like to get interested in her. So, approaching Lois, he made a bow and politely asked her, Can you tell me, my good little girl, why a ship full of sailors at the bottom of the sea is like the price of beef? The goose girl began to scratch her head, threw the old handkerchief she wore instead of a bonnet, and tried to think of the answer. Because it's low, said she, after a minute or two. Oh, no, said the gnome. That's not it. You can give it up, you know, if you don't think. You can give it up, you know, if you can't think of the answer. I know, said Lois. Because it's sunk. Not at all, said old Riddler, a little impatiently. Now come, my good girl. You'd much better give it up. You'll just act at the answer until you make it good for nothing. Well, what is it, said Lois. I will tell you, said the gnome. Now pay attention to the answer. Because it has gone down. Don't you see? asked the old fellow with a gracious smile. Yes, I see, said the goose girl, scratching her head again. But my answer was nearly as good as yours. Oh, dear me, said the old Riddler. <clears throat> oh, dear me, said the old Riddler. That won't do. It's of no use at all to give an answer that is nearly good enough. It must be exactly right or it's worthless. I am afraid, young girl, that you don't care much for riddles. Yes, I do, said the goose girl. I make them. Make them, exclaimed old Riddler in great surprise. Yes, replied Lewis. I'm out here all day with these geese and I haven't anything else to do. And so I make riddles. Do you want to hear one of them? Yes, I would like it very much indeed, said the gnome. Well, then, here's one. If the roofs of houses were flat instead of slanting, why would the rain be like a chained dog? Give it up, said old Riddler. Because it couldn't run off, said Lois. Very good, very good, said the gnome. Why, that's nearly as good as some of mine. And now, my young friend, did it you feel pleased? And now, my young friend, didn't you feel pleased to have me give up that riddle and let you tell me the answer, straight and true, just as you knew it ought to be? 
Oh, yes, said the goose girl. Well, then, continued Lord Riddler, remember this. What pleases you will often please other people, and never guess another riddle. Lois, although a rough country girl, was touched by the old man's earnestness and his gentle tones. I never will, said she. That's a very well-meaning girl, said old Riddler to himself as he walked away. Although she hasn't much, I'll come sometimes and help her a little with her conundrum. Old Riddler had a son named Huckleberry. He was a bright, smart young fellow and resembled his father in many respects. When he went home, the old gnome told his son about Lois and tried to impress on his mind the same lesson he had taught the young girl. Huckleberry was a good little chap, but he was quick-witted and rather forward and often made his father very angry by guessing his riddles, and so he needed a good deal of parental counsel. Nearly all that night Huckleberry thought about what his father had told him, but not at all as old Riddler intended he should. What a fine thing it must be, said Huckleberry to himself, to go out into the world and teach people things. Oh, I'm going to try it myself. So the next day, he started off on his mission. The first person he saw was a very small girl playing under a big oak tree. When the small girl saw the young gnome, she was frightened and drew back, standing up as close against a tree as she could get. But up stepped Master Huckleberry, with all the airs and graces he could command. Can you tell me, my little miss, said he, why an elephant with a glass globe of goldfish tied to his tail is like a monkey with one pink eye and one of a mazarine blue. No, said the small girl, I, I don't know. Go away. Oh, said Huckleberry, perhaps that's too hard for you. I have some nice little ones in words of one syllable. <clears throat> Why is a red man with a green hat like a good boy who has a large duck in a small pond? Go away, said the small girl. I came here to pick flowers. I don't know riddles. Perhaps that one was too easy, said Huckleberry kindly. I know all sorts. I have all sorts. Here's one with longer words divided into syllables. I'll say it slowly for you. What is the difference between a magnanimous shipmate and the topmost leaflet on your grandmother's barberry bush? I haven't got any grandmother, said she. Oh, well, any grandmother will do, said Huckleberry. I, I can't guess it, said the small girl, who was now beginning to lose her fear of this funny little fellow. I never guessed any riddles. I'm not old enough. Very well, then, said Huckleberry. I'll tell you what I'll do. Let's sit down here under the tree, and I'll tell you one of Father's riddles and give you the answer. His riddles are better than mine because none of mine have any answers. I don't put answers to them, for I can never think of any good ones. I met a boy once and told him a lot of my riddles, and he learned them and went about asking people to guess them, and when the people gave them up, he couldn't tell them the answers, because there were none, and that made everybody mad. He told one of the riddles to his grandmother. I think it was the one about the pink-eyed monkey and the wagon load of beans. No, said the small girl. The elephant and the goldfish 
was the other part of the pink-eyed monkey one. Oh, it doesn't make any difference, said Uncle. I don't join my riddles together the same way every time. Sometimes I use the goldfish and elephant with the last part of one riddle, and sometimes with another. As there's no answer, it doesn't matter. I began a good many of my best riddles with the elephant, for it makes a fine opening. But as I was going to tell you, this boy told one of my riddles to his grandmother, and she liked it very much. But when she found out there was no answer to it, she gave him a good box on the ear, and that boy has never liked me since. But now I'll tell you a story. That's it, it's like a story, but it's really a riddle. Father made it, and everybody thinks it's one of its best. There was once a fair lady of renown who was engaged to be married to a prince, and when the wedding day came round, they were to be married in one of the prince's palaces in the mountains, she was so long getting dressed, you see, she dressed in one of her father's palaces down in the valley, that she was afraid she would be late, so as soon as her veil was pinned on, she ran down to the stables, threw her wolfskin on the back of one of the firest of the chargers, and springing on him, she dashed away. She wasn't used to harnessing horses and was in such a hurry that she forgot all about the bridle. And so, as she was dashing away, she found she couldn't steer the animal, and he didn't go anywhere near the prince's palace, but galloped on and on and on, every minute taking her further and further away from where she wanted to go. She couldn't turn the charger and she couldn't stop him though she tore off pieces of her veil and tried to put them around his nose. But it was no good. So when the wedding party had waited and waited and waited, the prince got angry and married another lady. And nobody knows where the fair lady of renown went to. Although there are some people who say she's a galloping yet. Although there are some people who say that she's a galloping yet and trying to get her veil around the charger's nose. Now, why was it that that fair lady of renown never married? Answer, because she had no bridal. You can say either B-R-I-D-A-L or B-R-I-D-L-E because they both sound alike and if she had either one of them, she would have been married. This is a pretty long riddle, but it's easier than mine because it's all fixed up right with the answer to it and everything. You like it better than mine, don't you? The small girl did not answer, and when Huckleberry looked around, he saw that she was asleep. Ah, poor little thing, said Huckleberry softly to himself. I guess I gave a little too much riddle to begin with. Her mind isn't formed yet, but it's pretty hard on me. I wanted to teach somebody something, and here she's gone to sleep. I wish I could find that goose girl. If father could teach her something, I'm sure I could. So he went walking through the fields, and pretty soon he saw Lois, standing among her geese who were feeding on the grass. Huckleberry skipped up to her as lively as a cricket. "'Can you tell me,' said he, "'why an elephant with a glass globe of goldfish tied to his tail "'is like the Lord High Admiral of the British Isles?' "'Was the globe of goldfish all the elephant owned?' asked the goose girl thoughtfully. "'Yes,' said Huckleberry. "'But I don't see what that's got to do with it.' "'Then the answer is,' said Lois, without noting this last remark, because all of his property is entailed. Well, I declare, cried Huckleberry, opening his eyes as wide as they would go. If you didn't guess it, I didn't know it had an answer. 
I wish it had an answer, said the goose girl, suddenly stamping her foot. I wish there had never been any answer to it in the whole world. It was only yesterday that I promised old Riddler that I would never guess another riddle, and here I've done it. It's too bad. I don't think it is, cried Huckleberry, waving his little cap around by the tassel. It's all very well for father not to want people to guess his riddles, because they've got answers and he knows what they are. But I would never have known that any of mine had an answer if you hadn't guessed this one. If you had had a riddle like this one, wouldn't you have been glad to have someone tell you the answer? Yes, I would, said Lois. Well, my good girl, remember this. If a thing gives you pleasure, it's very likely that it will give somebody else pleasure. So let somebody else have a chance. So let somebody else have a chance. And the next time you hear a riddle that you think the owner has no answer for, guess it for him if you can. Goodbye. And away went Master Huckleberry, skipping and singing and snapping his fingers and twirling his until he came to a wide crack in the ground where he rolled himself up like a huckleberry dumpling and went tumbling and bouncing down into the underground home of the gnomes. Get out of the way, said he to the gnomes he passed as he proudly strode to his father's apartments. I'm going to make a report. For the first time in my life, I've taught somebody something. When Huckleberry left her, the goose girl said st- When Huckleberry left her, the goose girl stood silently in the midst of her geese. Her brow was over. How's anybody to do two things that can't both be done? She claimed it. I'll have nothing more to do with riddles long as I live. Now that we're all spending more time with each other, you know people are making dad jokes and riddles and expositions that make no sense. You should probably bone up on your comedy with some good comedic bi- comedic biographies from Audible. Audible.com has got a whole, whole lot of books on comedy and many other things that'll interest you and wild away the hours. And a BBJ and the product code. Enter BBJ in the promo code and it'll do absolutely nothing, for this is not a sponsored read. I would, however, like to thank you for all of the likes and subscriptions. And if you've got a review, go ahead and throw it up on iTunes. iTunes likes it. And we're on your smart speaker. Just say, hey, play BBJ's bedtime stories. Your smart speaker will lull you to sleep. Probably the most useful thing it's done all day. And, of course, you can always subscribe at the website, bedtimewithbvj.com. Our next story, Little Red Riding Hood. Once upon a time, there was a dear little girl who was loved by everyone who looked at her, but most of all by her grandmother, and there was nothing that she would not have given to the child. Once she gave her a little cap of red velvet, which suited her so well, that she would never wear anything else, so she was always called Little Red Riding Hood. One day her mother said, Come, Little Red Riding Hood, here is a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. Take them to your grandmother. She is ill and weak, and they will do her good. Set out before it gets hot, and blah. Set out before it gets hot. When you are going, walk nicely and quietly, and do not run off the path, or you may fall and break the bottle and then your grandmother will get nothing. 
and when you go into her room, don't forget to say good morning, and don't peep into every corner, and don't peep into every corner before you do it. I will take great care, said Little Red Riding Hood to her mother, and gave her hand on it. Grandmother lived out in the wood, a league from the village, and just as Little Red Riding Hood entered the wood, a wolf met her. Little Red Riding Hood did not know what a wicked creature he was and was not at all afraid of him. "'Good day, Little Red Riding Hood,' said he. "'Thank you kindly, Wolf.' "'Whither away so early, Little Red Riding Hood?' "'To my grandmother.' "'What have you got in your apron?' "'Cake and wine. "'Yesterday was baking day, so poor sick grandmother is to have something good to make her stronger. "'Where does your grandmother live, Little Red Riding Hood?' A good quarter of a league farther on in the wood. Her house stands under the three large oak trees. The nut trees are just below. You surely must know it, replied Little Red Riding Hood. The wolf thought to himself, What a tender young creature! What a nice plump mouthful! She will be better to eat than the old woman. I must act craftily. I must act craftily. So as to eat both. So he walked for a short time by the side of Little Red Riding Hood, and then he said, You see, Little Red Riding Hood, how pretty the flowers are about here. Why do you not look round? I believe, too, that you do not hear how sweetly the little birds are singing. You walk gravely along, as if you were going to school, while everything else out here in the wood is merry. Little Red Riding Hood raised her eyes, and when she saw the sunbeams dancing here and there through the trees and pretty flowers growing everywhere, she thought, suppose I take grandmother a fresh nosegay. That would please her too. It is so early in the day that I shall still get there in good time. And so she ran from the path into the wood to look for flowers. And whenever she had picked one, she fancied that she saw a still prettier one farther on and ran after it, and so got deeper and deeper into the wood. Meanwhile, the wolf ran straight to the grandmother's house and knocked at the door. Who is there? Little Red Riding Hood, said the wolf. She is bringing cake and wine. Open the door. Lift the latch, called the grandmother. I am too weak and cannot get up. The wolf lifted the latch. The door sprang open, and without saying a word, he went straight to the grandmother's bed and devoured her. Then he put on her clothes, dressed herself in her cap, slid, laid himself in bed, and drew the curtains. Little Red Riding Hood, however, had been running about picking flowers, and when she had gathered up many, and when she had gathered so many that she could carry no more, she remembered her grandmother and set out on the way to her. She was surprised to find the cottage door standing open, and when she went into the room, she had such a strange feeling that she said to herself, Oh dear, how uneasy I feel today. And at other times, I like being with grandmother so much. She called out, Good morning, but received no answer. So she went to the bed and drew back the curtains. There lay her grandmother with a cap pulled far over her face. It looked very strange. Oh, grandmother, she said. What big ears you have. The better to hear you with my ch was the reply. Grandmother, what big eyes you have. The better to see you with my dear. 
But, Grandmother, what large hands you have. The better to hug you with. Oh, but, Grandmother, what a terrible big mouth you have. The better to eat you with. And scarcely had the wolf said this, than with one bound he was out of bed and swallowed up Little Red Riding Hood. When the wolf had appeased his appetite, he lay down again in the bed, fell asleep, and began to snore very loud. The huntsman was just passing the house and thought to himself, How the old woman is snoring! I must just see if she wants anything. So he went into the room, and when he came to the bed, he saw that the wolf was lying in it. And when he came to the So he went into the room, and when he came to the bed, he saw that the wolf was lying in it. Do I find you here, you old sinner, said he. I have long sought you. Then just as he was going to fire at him, it occurred to him that the wolf might have devoured the grandmother, and she might still be saved. So he did not fire, but took a pair of scissors and began to cut open the stomach of the sleeping wolf. When he had made, when he had made two snips, he saw the little red riding hood shining, and he made two snips, and then he made two snips more. And the little girl sprang out, crying. Ah, how frightened I have been! How dark it was inside that wolf! And after that, the aged grandmother came out alive, too, but scarcely able to breathe. Little Red Riding Hood, however, quickly fetched great stones with which they filled the wolf's belly. <clears throat> Try it again. Little Red Riding Hood, however, quick fetched great stones with which they filled the wolf's belly. And when he awoke, wanted to run away but the stones were so heavy that he collapsed at once and fell dead. Then all three were delighted. A huntsman drew off the wolf's skin and went home with it. The grandmother ate the cake and drank the wine, which Little Red Riding Hood had brought, and revived. But Little Red Riding Hood thought to herself, As long as I live, I will never by myself leave the path to run into the wood where my mother has forbidden me to do so when my mother has forbidden me to do so. It is also related that once, when Little Red Riding Hood was again taking cakes to the old grandmother, another wolf spoke to her and tried to entice her from the path. Little Red Riding Hood, however, was on her guard and went straight forward on her way and told her grandmother that she had met the wolf and that he had said good morning to her, but with such a wicked look in his eyes that if they had not been on the public road, she was certain he would have eaten her up. Well, said the grandmother, we will shut the door. He may not come in. Soon afterwards, the wolf knocked and cried, Open the door, grandmother. I am Little Red Riding Hood and am bringing you some cakes. But they did not speak or open the door. So the gray beard stole twice or thrice round the house and at last jumped on the roof, intending to wait until Little Red Riding Hood went home in the evening and then to steal after her and devour her in the darkness. But the grandmother saw what was in his thoughts. In front of the house was a great stone trough, so she said to the child, Take the pail, little red riding hood. I made some sausages yesterday, so carry the water in which I boiled them to the trough. Little red riding hood carried until the great trough was quite... Little red riding hood carried until the great trough was quite full. Then the smell of the sausages reached the wolf, and he sniffed and peeped down, and at last stretched out his neck so far that he could no longer keep his footing, and began to slip, and slipped down from the roof straight into the great trough, and was drowned. A little red riding hood went joyously home, 
and no one did everything, and no one ever did anything to harm her again. The moral of the story is keep your focus so you won't get eaten. Something to think about as you drift off to sleep. Also, think about cooking. Grandma did it. Little Red Riding Hood brought the food over to her. The wolf wanted to eat. You should probably think about cooking something new with HelloFresh.com. Delicious food brought to your door and you do all the cooking. Enter BVJ in the promo code and it will do absolutely nothing because this is not a sponsored read. You can send me stories to read. Please email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>